0: All right, well, we're going to have an abbreviated time uh, in the book of Proverbs tonight. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Proverbs chapter 4. When I was your age, which is a bold title for a person of my age. (laughs) But I think what you'll see in this text is that that is not from me, that is from Solomon, we've all been there. We've all heard it before. For some of you, you haven't heard it in a few decades. For others, you may have heard it on the way to church tonight. I refer to the speech from your parents about how life was harder when they were your age it typically follows a complaint by a child. I vividly remember so many times complaining to my parents, complaining to uh, my dad about getting up early to catch the bus for school. And he would respond with things like, when I was your age, I had to walk to school through 40 miles of snow. It was up to my knees and it was uphill both ways. It took me about six years to realize that that was impossible. Can't walk to school and back to home uphill both ways, but he said it nonetheless. I remember complaining about not getting an allowance like my friends did, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna tell you what my dad said when I was your age. If you mow the lawn today, I'll let you sleep here tonight. When I was your age, it's, it's easy for young people to forget that their parents were their age once. The, the when I was your age comments are actually attempts to teach others from your experience. Now, we've seen that happening all the way through the book of Proverbs, but in our text tonight, Solomon actually delivers that classic line to his son, Rehoboam. Look at verses three and four of Proverbs chapter four. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother. Then he taught me and said to me. In this passage, Solomon looks to his firstborn Rehoboam and he says to him, son, I was your age once and my dad used to instruct me the way that I'm instructing you. Let me tell you what he said to me. Let's read this passage together and find out what that instruction is. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give to you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom acquire understanding do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth do not forsake her and she will guard you love her and she will watch over you the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all of your acquiring get understanding prize her and she will exalt you she will honor you if you embrace her she will place on your head a garland of grace she will present you with a crown of beauty This is a familiar plea. Hear the instruction of your dad. Give attention to the request of your father. We we begin to walk through this text and we immediately see Solomon stating to his sons things that we've already seen before in the book of Proverbs. He says, son, listen up. Listen up, listen to me. Verse one, hear, O son, the instruction of a father. Give attention to me. Statements like this have been sprinkled throughout the book. Statements of remember the things that I have to teach you. If you're a parent, you're tracking with Solomon here. These are often deployed techniques. Another, they're, they're used often in our house. Son, listen up. Look at me. What did daddy say? Solomon gives pleas regarding the value of the instruction that he is about to give his son verse one, he says, if you listen to me, if you hear my instruction, you will gain understanding. He says in verse two, what I have to give you is sound wisdom, it's sound, it's true, it's reliable, it's good, son, listen and value what I have to tell you. But as we all know, those pleas of listen up, pay attention, don't always work. And so what we see in this text and what I believe is being emphasized in chapter four of the book of Proverbs is a little bit of a different tactic by Solomon. And the tactic that he, that he takes is, I was once your age. I was once your age and I had a father who was instructing me like I'm instructing you now. Now Solomon is talking to his son, Rehoboam, and he's referencing his father. If you're familiar with, with uh, the, the, the family history of Solomon, his, his father is David. The the, the individual that's being quoted in this passage is King David, but Solomon is not quoting David the way that we often do. When we quote David, we think of the illustrious and infamous king of Israel, the the man after God's own heart. We need to understand, though, that when Solomon is quoting David here, he's he's quoting grandpa. David is Rehoboam's grandpa. Solomon is, is saying, son, let me tell you, what your grandpa used to tell me. I was once your age and my dad used to do the same thing to me that I'm doing to you. Let me tell you what he taught me. In doing so, Solomon is telling his sons that these lessons stand the test of time. They're cross-generational. Solomon's saying, I struggled with the same thing that you do. Struggles with sin and with foolishness are cross-generational. And so is the counsel that is given in response to them. 1 Corinthians tells us this. That there's no sin, there's no temptation that has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. We aren't battling anything new. Wisdom and foolishness are nothing new. We saw this in... Ecclesiastes, this is a a lesson that Solomon knew well, there's nothing new under the sun. Be warned of this. Lest you ever think that scripture is written at a time where there are different struggles and different cultures that that render it irrelevant today. That's that's a lie. It's not true. These struggles are cross-generational. And so Solomon looks to his son and says, let me reach back into history and tell you what my dad told me because it's just as true today as it was 30 years ago. And I assure you that it's just as true today as we read this as it was when David first spoke these words to Solomon. What we're going to do is find that those instructions that Solomon received from David are very familiar to us. Not only culturally in our world, but they're very familiar to us in what we've already studied in the book of Proverbs. So as we break this down tonight, what we're going to see are two familiar instructions that span the generational gap. Two familiar instructions that span the generational gap. Now, I say that these instructions span the generational gap because that is a specific emphasis in this passage. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. All of the Proverbs and all of Scripture stands the test of time. It all spans the generational gap. It's all relevant. It's all applicable. It's all profitable in the past, present, and future. But Solomon specifically directs our attention to that in this passage. Here, he says, I had to hear the same message that you're hearing. And now that I'm wise enough to see it, son, I can affirm for you that this message is true. The first familiar instruction is this. Find wisdom and she will protect you. Find wisdom and she will protect you. We see that specifically laid out in the first half of this instruction in verses 4 through 6. Find wisdom and she will protect you. Now, lest you think, wait a second, we've already covered this in the book of Proverbs. You're right. We have. And that, I believe, is actually the very point of this passage. So we're going to walk through this outline actually really quickly. uh, And then we're going to zoom out of it and we're going to see some principles of this passage as a whole. As Solomon is repeating things that he's already said before in the book of Proverbs. So he encourages his son. he He says, find wisdom acquire wisdom he starts to communicate that in verse four when he says let your heart hold fast my words hold them tightly grip them cling to them this is a term picture the 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 scene in the movie where there's there's an individual hanging off of a cliff by one hand hanging on for deal dear life that's that's the kind of term here cling to it for your very life with all that you have hold on to wisdom seize it keep my commandments and if you do, you will live. You will live. There, there is a life to be found in wisdom. Solomon says elsewhere that the way of the fool leads to death. So he says, hold fast to what I have to tell you. Cling to it. It will lead to life. He says in verse 5, acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget or turn away from it. Wisdom and understanding we've seen all through this book are synonymous terms. Solomon in in such plain words says, you know what my dad used to tell me? Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not turn your back on it. It's out there for the taking. Go and get it. Seize wisdom no matter what. If you do, the essence of this first instruction is that if you acquire it, if you don't turn your back on it, she will protect you. Look at verse six. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. Both of those terms, she will guard you and she will watch over you are terms of protection. Wisdom protects us. And again, we've already seen this in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom protects us primarily in two ways. When we can correctly discern life and choices and and right from wrong and different decisions, that discretion that we have in wisdom guards us from evil. It delivers us from evil. With God-given wisdom, we can know what we should avoid and and, and what we should run from and what we should run to. Thus we are protected, we're guarded. That's one of the ways that wisdom protects us. There's another way that's emphasized in Proverbs chapter 2 where it tells us that God actually sovereignly protects the wise. That those who seek wisdom are under the sovereign hand of God's protection in a unique way. David's message to Solomon is this. Find wisdom. Find wisdom. Find wisdom and she will protect you from the many dangers that are all around you and even within you. So go, get it. Go and get wisdom. Go acquire wisdom at any cost. That's the first familiar instruction. Again, we've seen this before. This is nothing new. If you've been paying attention to the book of Proverbs, these are very familiar instructions, but they're repeated here. There's a second one, a second familiar instruction that's given, and that is value wisdom, value wisdom, and she will promote you. Value wisdom, and she will promote you. Draw your attention to verse seven. The beginning of wisdom is this, acquire wisdom. This is a a fascinating statement that kicks off this second level. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. Now, that is seemingly like the Captain Obvious statement of the day, right? The beginning of wisdom, get wisdom. It's equivalent to us saying the first step in riding a bike is buying a bike. Isn't it readily apparent that that's the case? What is Solomon communicating here? But that is a, a necessary statement because those type of things aren't always true. The first step in home ownership isn't go buy a house. Right, You'd be in trouble if that was your first step in homeownership. There's all sorts of, of, of preparation that needs to take place before you're ready to make that decision. So the, the statement that we see here is, if you want wisdom, just, just go get it. Go get it. The first step in wisdom is, is go and seek wisdom. This statement stands out because it's actually a little bit different than similar statements that we've seen in the book of Proverbs. When you are thinking through the book of Proverbs and you hear a statement such as, the beginning of wisdom is, if you're anything like me, the answer you would expect to that question is the fear of the Lord. Remember Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But here we read that the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. What's going on? Why a very similar truth that's different, is is one of these true and one of them not? Do David and Solomon actually disagree with each other? No, I don't think so. Both of these commands, the fear of the Lord and acquiring wisdom as the beginning of wisdom, both stem from a humility and an awareness that I am not wise enough. These are really two sides of the same coin. Remember back, in fact, you can turn back there to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. What is the opposite of the fear of the Lord? We read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's two statements there that are made in a contrasting way. There is the fear of the Lord and the despising of wisdom and instruction. When we understand those correctly, we understand that someone who despises wisdom doesn't fear the Lord. Let me say that for you another way. Someone who seeks biblical wisdom does fear the Lord. And said yet another way, someone who fears the Lord will seek biblical wisdom. And when we follow that trajectory, we see that the acquiring of wisdom and the fear of the Lord are not actually all that separate from one another. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the beginning of wisdom is the humility and the mentality that leads you to aggressively seek wisdom because you're humble enough to know that you desperately need it. That's, that's inextricably linked to the fear of the Lord. David said to his son, essentially what we've said all through this book, you need to be wise enough to know that you're not wise enough. You need to be wise enough to know that you desperately need wisdom. You need to fear the Lord. You need to have a small view of yourself that I need more wisdom. I'm not as wise as I should be. So that is Solomon's message, desire it. Go get it, go get it. The first step of wisdom is going and seeking wisdom. Value it. He says after verse seven, in the the, the second half of verse seven, with all of your acquiring, get understanding. There are lots of things out there for you to acquire, lots of things for you to go out there and, and pursue, but in all of your pursuits, don't you ever miss wisdom. In all of your acquiring, make sure that you get wisdom and understanding. And if you do, here is the lesson. If you value wisdom, she will promote you. Look at verses eight and nine. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present to you with a crown of beauty. She will exalt you, he says. If, if, if you value her, she will exalt you. That's a term of, of height. She will, she will lift you high. She will place you on a pedestal. He says, if you value her, she will embrace you. She will, excuse me, if you embrace her, she will honor you. That's a term of weight. She will, she will make you essentially heavy, heavy or, or significant. She will give you glory. She will give you honor. He also says, if you value her, she will place a garland of grace and a crown of beauty upon your head. These are beautiful and glorious head coverings. He's not saying you'll be a king or or you'll be a, a champion if you have wisdom or anything along those lines. He's saying wisdom bestows a crown upon your head, a beautiful crown upon your head. Wisdom adorns you. Value her. And she will lift you up, she will, she will promote you. I think when he says, wisdom will, will be to you a crown on your head, that, that the essence of that statement is that wisdom itself is that crown. That wisdom itself is that, that adornment. The one who has wisdom, he says, will be exalted, lifted up and honored. You want to know how these kind of promises manifest themselves? You can go back and read the entirety of Proverbs chapter three. It's essentially an expounding upon these principles and these truths. There is immense blessing and immense glory that accompanies wisdom. Okay, so that is a 10,000 foot flyover of the two familiar instructions that span the generational gap. Those are familiar points. We've talked about these already in the book of Proverbs. What we've seen in these verses is nothing new. And that's, that's a literal statement. There's not a single thing that's said in these verses that has not already been said in, in some way, shape, or form in just the first three chapters of Proverbs. We don't have time to do it now, but we could walk through each one of these verses in this section and point to other areas in Proverbs one through three where the exact same point is being made. So the question we have to ask is why the repetition? Why the repetition? Why is the same statement being made again and again and again? And there's a few answers to that question. The first is that we need repetition. We need it because we're forgetful. Repetition is a part of parenting. And this is a scene where we we see parenting taking place. Repetition is a part of how we communicate with one another, especially towards towards the younger, especially towards children. We need repetition because we are forgetful. But there's a second answer to that question and I think it's the answer that's being emphasized in this passage as to why these statements are being repeated yet again. All that Solomon has said so far in this book can be connected to chapter four. Seek wisdom aggressively. There are many things out there that are drawing you. Make sure that you acquire wisdom. If you do so, you will be rewarded. You will be protected. There are many blessings that come with wisdom. Those are the trends and the themes that we've seen in the book of Proverbs thus far. And they're repeated here again in chapter four. What we come to realize in chapter four is that all of those themes were not necessarily divine revelations to Solomon that he had never heard before. What Solomon is explaining in the book of Proverbs up to this point and specifically in chapter four, you know where he heard it the first time? From his dad. He heard these lessons from his dad. His father instructed him in wisdom long before he ever officially received the gift of wisdom. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. His father, David, was not the wisest man to ever live. He certainly had wisdom, but Solomon factually was the wisest man on the earth. And there's a very important lesson in this realization that that the wisest man ever is teaching others the principles of his father. When Solomon became the wisest man ever, his response was not to reject all those who came before him. It wasn't to say, I'm now the smartest person. What does dad know? It wasn't to puff himself up with pride as the wisest person on the earth. When when the wisest man ever sought to synthesize and, and to communicate wisdom to his son, here was his realization. Dad was right. My dad was right. When dad told me to watch out for these temptations, he was right. When he told me to value wisdom, he was right. When he told me to obey, he was right. When he told me to work hard, he was right. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, recognized that the wisdom of his father was accurate. Now, parents are not infallible. We don't always give even wise counsel. We don't always give perfect counsel. Ultimately, the only source of infallible wisdom is scripture. But do you know what the infallible wisdom of scripture tells young people to do? Heed the advice of their parents because they're wiser than you, normally in every category of life. I was thinking over these things, and and, and I hate to admit this, but I I regularly, regularly used to think that my parents were wrong. Just factually wrong, wrong in their decision-making. Students, I hope that you can hear me now. I look back at those scenarios that I can remember and, and you know what I realize? Mom and dad were normally right. Not, not, not perfectly, not infallibly, but they were so much wiser than me. I wish that I'd recognize that way sooner than I did. I believe this passage is Solomon's attempt to get Rehoboam to realize that truth sooner than later son my dad used to say these same things to me and he was right I need you to recognize that now that if you do these things it will go well for you Solomon can personally testify to the value of heeding your parents' counsel. We began this study in 1 Kings chapter 3, which is the scene in which Solomon is presented with a choice. If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? Solomon chose wisdom. Solomon, giving the choice of having anything in the world, said, Lord, give me wisdom that I might rule this people effectively. How on earth did Solomon know to ask for wisdom? How could he possibly know in in his youth that what he needed to ask for was to have wisdom? I think this passage is why. Because when Solomon was young, you know what his dad told him? With all of your acquiring, get wisdom. Aggressively seek wisdom, son. And you know what? I think Solomon listened. I think the fact that he chose wisdom in first things chapter three is the evidence that when his father was instructing him as a son, he was paying attention. He was valuing the instruction that his father would give him. And, and after he became the wisest man in the world and he had the perspective and the wisdom to evaluate, he could look back and say, that is the right decision. And so that is his instruction to his son here. Son, it is wise for you to adhere the advice of your parents. You must recognize that they are wiser than you and that scripture instructs you that wisdom for you is submitting yourself to them and and heeding their advice and seeking their counsel and obeying and honoring them. I was your age once, he says. I know that when I'm instructing you right now, you probably don't want to hear it. But I'm telling you, son. It's worth it. This is what my dad used to tell me. And now I'm telling you that he was right. It's nothing new under the sun. We're not battling issues that are different in their essence than what Solomon battled, than what David battled, than what Rehoboam battled. The question is not, is this applicable? The question is, will we listen? Will we be wise enough to know that were not wise enough.